welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really excited to have with me an old friend of the show, um, Keith Russell. So we're going to talk about the latest job scams, which um, are unfortunately still um, affecting the um, labour market. And Keith, I was just um, catching up with him, actually. He's an incredibly busy man, so we're delighted to have him with us. He's director of Read Compliance. He's a trustee at Safer Jobs, and he's also chair of the newly launched Better Hiring Institute. So to say Keith has kind of job scams um, and protecting the workforce in his DNA is really not an understatement. So warm welcome, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So um, so you're welcome. I think we should just dive straight in. Um, so we know we know that job scams are part of the labour market and they have been for forever, probably. Um, and, you know, how has COVID impacted on that? So we, we're now recording this in April 2021. So we're hopefully towards the tail end of our COVID experience, but time will tell. So what have we been seeing in the last, I don't know, six months or so? Sure. So COVID's impacted um, work seekers and job scammers massively. We've we've seen in general around a 70% increase in the amount of reports coming through to us from work seekers. And we know that's the tip of the iceberg. We know the amount of job mm. scams out there, unfortunately even greater than ever before um, and and that's for a few uh, a few reasons I think partly it's to do with the fact that more people are searching for work online so a lot of it's technology driven now uh, it's also to do with the fact that online platforms um, as has been widely publicized you know have got some work to do to to better manage their content so it's easier these days for fraudsters to get fake adverts to work seekers. And, and sadly, it's uh, we're in a position where work seekers often are even more desperate to find work, which means they're even more susceptible to, to what's out there. Just looking at the last three months alone, I think January, February and March, we've seen every month an increase in a, a record, if you like, an unwanted record in terms of the amount of scams being reported through uh, to Safer Jobs month on month and the amount of website traffic, people visiting Safer Jobs. So we can see it's clearly an even bigger problem now because of COVID than it was before. Wow, those statistics are really um, depressing, actually. Um, and, you know, I quite often see stuff that you post on LinkedIn about the latest um, things that are going on. And I read all of them. Um, and, and I kind of say, say it like that deliberately because there are a lot of them. But I like to know what's going on, but also I don't like to know what's going on because it's horrible. And what what sort of impact is that on on people that are affected? Are we talking about financial impact or or kind of what? There's, and it's important to remember there's there's human stories behind every single report we get, and and, and, mm. and many of them are you know extremely sad. You know, as people who really are. Uh, in a position where they can least afford any type of monetary loss that that, that are suffering. Mm. But we're also seeing um, people who who are losing their entire identities, their personal details, because they think they're submitting information about themselves to genuine job uh, opportunities and actually are finding that their entire personal information and personal details are, are, are then being taken by fraudsters 
spread on the, the dark web and, and are being used for all manner of, of, of nefarious purposes from, uh, you know, people taking out finance on people's names to, to, to identities being cloned. So it really is very sad. We see everything from 50 pounds to 10,000 pounds. And it's always the 10,000 pounds one that sort of makes the headlines. But what I always urge people to remember is that, you know, 10,000 pounds for one person can actually be the same as 150 pounds for another because we get people that are so in need of work and so in need of money because of the pandemic that even 150 pounds is, is more than I can afford. Yeah, it's, it is just awful. And I, I think one of the things I find the most disturbing about it is that it's just people applying for jobs. And I guess it just never enters people's minds that the information they're given giving um, might be used against them in this way. I think the psychology is really important. That's, that's a, a very valid point you make because the psychology of people who are looking for work when they're dealing with who they think might be their next employer means that they're desperately keen to please and impress mm. this person. So, you know, I often hear people say, you know, what, why did such and such person hand over all their information, their bank details, this, but you've got to remember that people who are going through what they think is a valid um, job opportunity process, they want to impress the person they're dealing with. If the person says, we need your bank details to pay you, we need them by tomorrow, person thinking this is a real job desperately keen to send them the information um and equally when financial elements are brought into the conversation you know people perhaps they're so it's so important to them that they've got good work whether it's a job at all or whether it's moving job that, mm. that they want to sort of believe it is true and that psychological element when they think they're about to get a new job i think is really important it does make people really wants to impress the person they're dealing with yeah and i guess it makes them even more vulnerable then and i guess i i, I guess the worst scammers are, are preying on on that vulnerability um literally aren't they and you could almost summarize the impact of of, of covid or a large part of the impact in covid in, in, in that way couldn't you you could, you could almost summarize that you know covid has created more vulnerable work seekers and fraudsters are, are playing on that or preying on that vulnerability yeah yeah it, it's it's horrible um are there any kind of scams or anything that are particularly targeting temporary or or non-permanent workers so i mean i my understanding of the jobs market is that people are being made redundant at the moment, unfortunately. So there are people new to the work to to the jobs market who might be considering temping for the first time for a while. And I, I guess there might be scams specifically for that type of person. Is that the case or not? Absolutely, it is. It is the case. Um, we're seeing plenty of temporary type roles um, throughout mm. throughout the pandemic. The nature of the role has changed in terms of where the the country has been so you know originally there were lots of health related temporary uh, job scams yeah. then there were lots of logistics related then there was lots of covid testing uh, vaccination okay. related mm. so they keep changing based on what's happening but the the, the temporary element is um is absolutely um uh, out there because with temporary work as you know um there are certain grey areas about whether temporary workers should be paying for police checks or uniforms or training when they register with agencies mm. and fraudsters are preying on that. We're seeing a huge amount of what you might call upskilling or reskilling type scams where industries have been decimated, as you say, and people are suddenly now looking 
perhaps for temporary work for the first time, they're having to move industry, which means that mm. we're seeing scams there that say, uh, you know, pay £250 for a care-related course and you can do temp work in the care sector, pay £500 for a trade and you can do trades-type work when the trades mm. began to open up again. Um, and where I think it's really difficult for temporary workers is that, there are grey areas around some situations with genuine job opportunities and genuine recruitment agencies where they might be paying for a police check or paying for training. So I think it's even harder for temporary workers to then identify whether this is this is real or not. I also think just generally, it's very complicated for temporary workers to fully understand what is legitimate and illegitimate practice by recruitment companies, mm. real or fake. And so it's really difficult for a temporary worker to understand, is that a breach of legislation? Is that okay, what I'm being asked to do? I just don't think their rights are clear enough um, to them. Um, and then on, on top of that, what I would, what I would say is that um, for temporary workers particularly, um, there's, there's often a short-term element to it. So we're seeing fake recruitment companies being created by fraudsters. They look like a recruitment company. They sound like a recruitment company. It's really easy to set them up. And then what they're doing is saying to, 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 to potential temporary workers, these opportunities are here right now, but to get it, you need to do A, B, and C. And they're creating pressure to get because to, to quickly do things, which which I think is another challenge for them. But that is also back, the idea of the fake recruitment agency is also back to the, the challenge in the UK about there being no barrier to entry for recruitment companies. Is anything being done about that? I mean, I, I know that recruitment agencies are subject to a degree of regulation in terms of what they can and can't do legally, but in terms of setting up as a recruitment business... I don't think there are any barriers, are there? There, there, there aren't. There's there's, t- there's two strategic challenges for regulation of recruitment agencies in the, in the UK. The, the first strategic challenge is, you know, putting putting it simply, licensing versus no licensing, and yes. um, and how do you regulate a sector? You know, the the, the government regulators got anywhere in the, in the region 30,000 recruitment companies to, to regulate and they and they pop up and they disappear and they uh, are reimagined all the time so how do you control mm. that moving beast you know what one argument is licensing to create a formal way for them to have to operate and, and at one level that might sound like it would work but the challenges that come with licensing is is the the resources that be required to regulate a sector that's got thirty thousand licensed um, organisations? Yeah. So, so one strategic challenge is is, is how do you effectively license a, a sector? The other strategic challenge is innovation and yeah, digital. And what what mm. is a recruitment company going to be? In, in two years, three years, five years time. I've already seen in Spain um, organizations that call themselves digital recruit, temporary recruitment companies that are, one, yeah. that, that are operating in the UK based in Spain. So, so oh. they're outside of UK jurisdiction. So how do you, how do you regulate uh, for offshoring? Um, but also how do you regulate for entirely online uh, organizations? Mm. What, what is a recruitment company? Is it a marketplace, a platform, an app? There's all these different models being developed. And for the regulator, that's, for me, their second strategic challenge is that how, you know, they, the traditional idea of a recruitment company might, you know, might 
all but disappear in a few years. Therefore, yeah. what's the regulator regulating? That is such a good point because I'm guessing through covid um the recruitment sector itself has become largely online now i know not absolutely everything can be done online but i imagine most things probably can so yes we've got this kind of homogenous sector if you like that is that is all sorts of different things it's incredibly um difficult and i, I didn't realize that there were so many recruitment firms as well i, I should have really um already <laughs> already known that to be honest with you um but my only caveat is that um there were more than that prior to the pandemic there may be oh. it may so there were there were forty thousand apparently prior to the pandemic um yeah perhaps as fewer than even 30 now but even if that's the case they will they will grow again post pandemic yeah yeah and i guess because there's um minimal barrier to entry and i guess that is part of the the challenge is that recruitment um to an outside perspective doesn't seem like a sector that may need regulation because it's a business service but when you've got these scammers who are exploiting vulnerable people that's when you start to think oh actually yes something needs to be done about this and what is being done? I, I know you have lots of conversations with lots of different um, different stakeholders, like the government and police and um, the recruitment sector itself. It, what What's the latest? What is going on to, to kind of help um, raise standards? Look, of course, we're, we've got the, um, the annual labour market strategy due out any time. It'll be Matthew Taylor's final, final strategy as labour market right. director. That's likely to be out in May and that... that that um, that will talk about, in particular, um, the issue of scams and, and, and other broader issues. Okay, as, as good. We we have been with 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 um, CIFAS, who are the UK fraud organisation. We've been talking to government about the online harms bill. So um, there's there's a lot of evidence now that is linking, um, amongst other things, is linking fake job adverts to. Uh, money mulling and money laundering so that's re- recruitment of people who think they're doing a genuine job but they're actually moving money across different accounts they think they're doing it for business purposes but what they're doing is money laundering and wow. the evidence not only links fake job adverts to money laundering but it also links money laundering to organized crime and terrorism so there's there's evidence now that's showing fake job adverts plus the other things that are happening online is is ultimately funding terrorism um and so there's been lobbying to government about f- online fraud of which job scams fits in being included mm. in the uh, upcoming online harms bill now whether or not that happens hard to tell but what seems to have been made as a commitment is that if it doesn't make it through there'll be a consultation after the harms bill about how we tackle online fraud and in particular that sort of duty of care by big companies job boards and others to to manage and monitor the content and be responsible for the content on their site so if you like that's one um sort of relatively big 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 hook as well as the labor market um, strategy we also have the employment bill as as you'll know coming out later this year and that that that's going to have a wider impact for uh, what we call sort of worker rights, and I come on to Jobs Aware later. This stuff, the links you've just outlined to kind of um, terrorism and organised crime and that sort of thing, it's just it's just shocking. One of the challenges is that, of course, a lot of the people at the at the end of the uh, of this, the people doing the actual um, fraudulent activity, 
uh, often aren't in the UK. So it just adds an, yeah. another problem, another dimension to this. And where the police are particularly interested in the work that we do, in the work of safer jobs and, and recruitment or hiring in general, mm. is the better we can make it is the harder it is for fraudsters. And can we almost, the, the police just see this as a tap at the moment that's turned on for them. So it's can we turn yeah. off the tap and make it harder in this space for them to operate? Yeah, well, it, it's good to know that there's work going on behind the scenes. Um, and we mentioned kind of um, safer jobs there. And if if you are someone listening who thinks that you might have have been um, involved in in a scam or been you know whatever whatever your experience is, I presume they should report that to to safer jobs. That's probably the the best course of action um, from what I know. Is is that still the case it is and i i'd go one step further and say anyone who's just unsure so even if the job opportunity that they've got may sort of may may give them some reason to be concerned report it you know don't don't wait until don't wait until you have been scammed or, or or clearly it is a problem you know we encourage people to report at any point they wish even quite simply to say could you help us know if this is right or not? Or I've been asked to pay this or I've been asked to provide information. So people can report really early on in the journey. Um, mm. We can help them and rather than necessarily wait until they have been scammed. But but obviously you're right. If they have been scammed or have concerns and they're at that end of the journey, of course, they should also report that because it enables us to take the adverts down off, off job boards or, or social media, enables us to inform police and we do get we do get prosecutions we work trading standards as well um and so there are prosecutions it does happen um so yes even if they have been scammed report it as i say get help and advice much earlier in the process i remember um when we last spoke actually you were saying that some people were um uh, accepting jobs that they didn't even know till after they had started weren't actually a real job. And I found found that shocking. Is that still the sorts of thing going on now? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, we had a, we had a big case um, a few months ago, 20 plus people who reported to us wow. started work in a particular organisation, thought they were doing legitimate work. And then after about a month, um, realised they hadn't been paid. And then all sort of communication uh, stopped and they 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 nowhere nowhere to go. So they'd, and they'd effectively worked for free, um, and and so unfortunately, yes, we we see that just as much as we see the you know, the DBS scams, the visa scams, the billing mm. training scams that I mentioned earlier. And and interestingly, yesterday there was a press release by the uh, Gangmasters Licensing Abuse Authority, who um, have 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 linked. We we've long known this, but they they linked um job adverts to modern slavery so what they've just uncovered is um quite a broad uh, operation uh, of, of of people you know, uh, facilitating modern slavery advertising jobs on uh, social media sites i think facebook was one as well um and people applying for what they thought were real jobs particularly people in the eu applying for jobs mm-hmm. in the uk arriving in the uk and realising they were trapped in modern slavery. Gosh, and presumably they've paid for their transport and, you know, been made whatever promises to to get them into the UK and then, then they've got nothing once they once they get here. Oh, yeah, it's, it's truly terrible. They effectively get stuck because what usually happens is they pay a load of money to get here, 
they then have accommodation mm. in with the job and then they realize the accommodation costs them more than the salary of the job so they, they um. immediately become indebted and then of course the the people operating the the modern slavery rings take control of them they take control of the bank accounts their identities and that and essentially the workers owe them money and they get trapped so yes i mean uh. we've long seen a link between fake adverts and modern slavery even before modern slavery was necessarily the the term it is now but it was it was interesting to see the GLAA come out yesterday specifically about it it's awful actually you just don't expect it to be going on in in a modern sort of society and you know today that that we're that we're in um so what can people do to protect themselves because I mean we it it almost sounds like um, people are at risk, but firstly, they might not know that they're at risk. But also, secondly, what what can what can they do if they do if they are worried? So th- th- there are some red flags um, to look out for, and uh, you know, I always caveat this by saying it is still complicated, and we still have to remember the psychology of people who are really in need of work. But some mm-hmm. of the common signs are job adverts that require no experience, no qualifications. You get the classic sort of no experience necessary. And what forces are doing is casting the net as wide as possible because they don't want to, right. they don't want to weed anybody out. They want everybody to apply. So um, no experience necessary is, is one. Vague job adverts, vague job descriptions, HR administrator, the, those sorts of phrases. Um, pretty good salaries often for, mm-hmm. for the job they're being offered. Um, so that's the first point, sort of concerns about the advert. Then as the process begins, the the person you're interacting with by email, poor language, poor grammar is often a, 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 a trend, which is relates to what I said earlier about the fraudsters often aren't in the UK. Um, yeah. Then pressure, so speed, you, know, you can start right. you start on Monday, but you need to do this, this and this is another is another sign um, and the other one i would say is relative ease in getting the job so okay. either no interview or a very quick interview or yeah, that the process happens very quickly um there's all those sort of signs i you know look out for the company name are you interacting with someone who's got a gmail address uh mm. you do get genuine companies logos used unfortunately so sometimes it does look and feel like tesco but then the email address be tesco1.com so do 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 check that out company's house can be a good source we there's a trend of fraudsters using recently dissolved companies so they are on company's house but when you look on it they've been dissolved or liquidated Um, but i would add though it's the same with all these things that we also get as many fraudsters who actually set up these fake companies on company's house so we often see that which does legitimize it so there's, there's various signs anyway do research online. Obviously, contact Safer Jobs if you're if you're not sure. Um, and, mm. You know the, the request for payment is whilst you know, once out of ten it might be legitimate. Nine times out of ten it isn't. So I guess if those one times out of ten people check with Safer Jobs first, then then at least then they'll they'll know whether it's it's genuine or not. Um. So yeah, it's there. 
anything else going on? So you you were the Better Hiring Institute, I think, launched just last week, if I'm right. So tell us a little bit about about that because that looks like a really good um, way to raise standards in the in the sector. Yes, yeah, so the Better Hiring Institute's really exciting. So so first of all, it's about hiring, so not not just yeah. recruitment. So it's about any 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 hiring, direct hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, hiring via job boards, hiring via recruitment sector. It's about any any hiring. It came about through various conversations with with UK government about the need to uh, create a modern, agile labour market and to help the post-COVID UK recovery. And it's basically, yeah. on the one hand, it's constituted on the basis of um, how to help enable standardization, digitization, modernization in hiring. Everything from, you know, in future, you know, what might be on job adverts to how people apply for jobs to what sort of checks are done, the value of referencing, uh, digitizing, uh, right to work checks, all those sorts of things. Mm. Then on the other hand, it's also about ensuring ethics and fairness in hiring. So, as we foresee the increase in digitization, AI and decision making, is how do we ensure for work seekers, um, particularly, that, that there's a fairness, that's an, an ethical side that's built into the system. There's been some good studies on the BBC in the last few months about how artificial intelligence is weeding people out of the job process. So it's, it's automatically yeah. filtering work seekers out by using whatever codes and learning and understanding. And, you know, whilst of course humans have bias, what concerns us about inbuilt machine bias is that what about people who are furthest in the labor market? What about people got mm. non-normalized CVs and career backgrounds? The other new initiative that we wanted to talk about um, just to finish off was is um, Jobs Aware. So um, we're hoping that the timing of this episode will go out just after it launches. So tell us tell us whatever you can at this stage about Jobs Aware. Jobs Aware is really exciting. So um, with with um, help, help of government and government funding, the ambition and aim of Jobs Aware is to be the number one online portal or platform if you like uh, to help non-permanent workers and it's it's sort of mission if you like is is about protecting worker rights um we we feel there are as we've talked about already there are increased vulnerabilities in the jobs market and i'm not just talking mm-hmm. now about getting a job i'm talking about your audience uh, rec- uh, agency workers umbrella workers contractors gig workers multi-appers zero hours we, we are including all of these people in what we're calling the, the sort of non-permanent workforce. Yeah, and yeah. If you imagine two analogies, there's, there's something like Drinkaware that people just know is about giving advice and help about um, alcohol, or Jobsaware, mm. about giving help and advice about jobs. We're already building the content now. It's designed to be a, a one-stop shop, if you like, for anyone mm. in the non-permanent workforce that's got any kind of issue or, or question or need for help so we've built an a to z that, inc- that covers everything from uh, agency worker regulations to contracts to holiday pay to zero hours to tax to all these sorts of questions that particularly agency workers probably have all the time and what this yeah. will do in conjunction with uk government is that it'll be the place where people can get straightforward simple help and advice there's lots about um, the payment intermediary 
slash umbrella market at the moment mm. and it's getting increasingly difficult and complicated for non-permanent workers to really understand um, where they sit what their rights are so jobs aware is is a direct response to that we are uh, setting up as as agnostic in many ways of what all the models are our role yeah. there just to help champion worker rights and help protect workers the other theme that we've talked about briefly already on, on one side is relevant in this side which is the digital innovation so the rise of shift-based economy apps the mm -hmm. rise of gig portals for how people are getting shifts and work and you know does that mean they're still agency workers who's employing yeah. what are their rights so this is designed to, to to sort of fill that void and be the number one place for for uh, you know non-permanent workers in the uk to get help and advice it sounds brilliant um and our listeners are obviously listening and they they won't really know that i'm kind of grinning from ear to ear because this this is all stuff that's so so close to to my heart really um and i i think that there's that unfortunately workers like that those non-permanent workers is such a big group of people in all sectors and actually they might not know where to go so for, for information and advice and and so I, I i absolutely love what you're doing and we'll we'll have to make sure we put a link um to to it on on iworks website when it's up and running yeah i'm really i'm really excited um about it it's it's a number of years in the making we were delighted to get support from government to get it going obviously i've seen all of the work behind the scenes to get it get it stood up it obviously will absorb the role of safer jobs so when you go onto the new yeah. landing page, it's still very clearly is there for people to report concerns, questions, scams, all these sorts of things. And then mm. it goes to all those other areas I mentioned. Uh, there'll be a worker rights section, which is designed just to give uh, non-permanent workers straightforward help and advice on all sorts of issues. And of course, enable them to report because we know that agency workers and end hirers of agency workers you know, generally underreport problems. Yeah, I'm fully behind you all all the way. Um, so tell me, are you cooking up anything else, or <laughs> is that is that enough for the time being? <laughs> one, one, one more thing to mention. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I've been involved in it's it's live already, and it's called the uh, UK Identity Fraud Advisory, or UKIFA for short. Right. Yeah. UK. What UKEF was doing and my role in it, <clears throat> why I was asked to be involved, was um, identity theft costs the UK over £5 billion a year. And a lot of identity theft um, obviously impacts individuals rather than companies. And there was a gap around somewhere that gives full information and advice to individuals about how to protect their identity, but also if they then think they've lost it, how to repair it, which is yeah. often missing as well as where to report it. And one of the key ways people are losing their identity, as we've already talked about, is through the process of applying for work. Mm -hmm. So we've written advice and guidance on the website, which is now launched, 
um, for work seekers and how to protect their identities when they're applying for work, but also what to do if they're concerned. And it's obviously all free advice. It's a, a joint initiative with, with law enforcement and others. So it's just another good one for agency workers to be aware of in case they are concerned about their personal details. Fantastic. And I should have said earlier, actually, I'm going to include links to all of these organisations on the notes right. that go with, with this episode. And, and also I'll put them on iWorks kind of general website as well. So, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved talking to you. Well, I haven't because some of it has been really kind of um, not, I was going to say rotten. It just that, that seems like an understatement, but it's, it's, it's horrible, the reality of what's going on. But I've loved talking to you because I've loved hearing the good stuff and all the good work that's going on. So, you know, keep up the good work. And, and anytime you want to come and chat to us, feel free. Yeah, no, thank you again for opportunity. Perhaps in a few months time, we can we can talk post Jobs Aware launch. Yeah, I would love to. Okay, well, well, as I say, join us again in a few months. And um, thank you so much. Thanks, Julia. Thank you for listening to Empowering Agency Workers, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk, where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.